Welcome. So glad to have you guys here. It's great to be back. It's been a while. And so I was glad to be back in, in the pulpit here. And so I did a little bit of traveling. And hey, didn't Pastor Will Lewis did a great job last week? He is such a great friend and a great communicator. If you, if you have any students you're sending, if you have a child you're sending up to A&M, that's the church to go to, Brazos Fellowship, great place up there. Uh, we helped plant that church years ago. It's one of our 102 now churches that we've planted, and so really thankful for him. Also, Pastor Dante just tore it up two weeks ago. Wow, what a, I was ready to rumble after hearing that. And so what a great word he had too, but I'm so glad to be here, so glad to be back with you guys. And so pull out your notes if you would, excited to be starting a brand new series today called My Big Fat Mouth. Before I go into that though, I'm going to be preaching from a very special Bible today. This is a Bible that was given to me by the, by the men in prison at God Behind Bars. Check this out. Can you see that closely? Look over there, the Drew on it. Can you see that? Can you get a tight shot of that? Isn't that cool? And in case anyone's doubting whose Bible it is, it's Pastor Bill's, see? There you go. And they gave me the mission statement right there. Let's say our mission statement together, right? We're here to do what? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. God behind bars, I love you. Thank you for the Bible. It's an incredible gift. So I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So great to see you guys. And I'm really excited about this new series. I think all of us have said things we regret. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? I, I choose to make my big flubs in front of about 12,000 people at a time. But we've all said dumb things before, haven't we? Think about something really stupid you said. Maybe sometimes you embarrass yourself. You just want to take your whole Nike and put it in your mouth. You're like, I cannot believe I just said that, right? That was such a dumb thing. Turn to the person right next to you, next to you right now and tell them something dumb you said one time to someone. Go ahead and share it right now. All campuses, share something really dumb you said. We've all done it. Come on. Share it right now. This is not an opportunity to say something dumb. Just to share what you've already done. Okay. We have all done this before. So years ago, my wife and I, we were expecting our first child. This is before Mason was even here. And uh, he's 21 now, so that gives you the length of time this is. But years ago, my wife and I were in Dallas. I was finishing up seminary. And uh, Corpus Christi wasn't even on my radar yet. Uh, we were just trying to figure out what God had, uh, where God was going to lead us to plant a church. But we were having a baby. We're excited about that. So we went to the hospital-sponsored Lama's class, right, where, where you go and you learn kind of how to do the whole breathing technique, and they got the husbands involved and that whole deal. And so that's kind of what we're doing. So we went up the escalator, um, up the elevator uh, to, to the top floor, one of the top floors, and, and we did this class. And there was probably 30 couples in the room. And uh, at the end of the class, we are going back down the elevator. We just happened to have hopped in the elevator uh, with this one other couple. And on the way back down, you know, I just casually looked at this lady and this man we're talking, and I just said, so when are you due? And she said, oh, oh, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> Can we open the elevator real quick? I just need to jump out if we don't mind. Just, just take a second. So in that moment, I learned, and she said, now, first of all, this is totally unfair because she was in the Lamaze class. I mean, if there's ever a giveaway that you're pregnant, right? But no, no, no. She goes, oh, no, we're adopting, but it's going to be a baby. So I just wanted to take the class. I was just like, again, that makes no sense to me, but whatever. And so, and the problem was she kind of did look pregnant. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I can only tell you that. I, I hope she's not listening right now. I don't think she even knows who I am. But I mean, I wanted to die. I was so humiliated. I was so embarrassed in that moment. So here's my new rule, men. Let me just help you out. If, if you ever want to say, hey, are you pregnant? Stop yourself, first of all. But if you do, they better have their legs in stirrups and be pushing a baby out in that moment. Otherwise, you do not say that. Does that make sense? So that's just a new rule that I have right now. You can be out to here, and I'm just like, hey, what's up? Oh, you're pregnant? I had no idea. 
That's my new line. That's, that's just, that's why I'm going to stick to it, so just to protect myself. But I'm telling you, I've said some dumb things before that I didn't mean to say. We've all done this, and oftentimes when we say something dumb, it offends others, you know, and, and we, we just regret it. Maybe you said something really hurtful towards your spouse before. Uh, maybe you, if you've been married longer than two months, you have, by the way, and so... Because it's funny how we say the worst things to those we love the most. And we don't mean to do it, but it, it does happen. And so oftentimes we say things we regret to our children, right? Uh, we say things we regret maybe at work. I mean, I, I know that you, your tongue can cost you a lot. Some people, what what's come out of their mouth has cost them their job. Um, it can cost them their reputations. It can cost them their marriage. It can cost you a dear relationship that you, that you held dearly that, that you just blew by saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I mean, it really can hurt people. And so there's great power in your tongue. There's great power in your words. Your big fat mouth can get you in a lot of trouble, but your big fat mouth also can lead you well if you learn to tame it and to control the things you say and to think about what you say before you say it, things like that. So that's what this whole series is about. I'm very excited about it. Pull out your notes if you would. I am fired up about my big fat mouth. Even though mine has gotten me in trouble, I'm sure yours has done the same, but there's some great things we need to learn about the power of the tongue and what we can say. The Bible says a lot about this, so we're going to dive right in. Pull out your notes if you would. Look at our first verse for today. It says in Matthew 12, 34, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So there's a direct correlation then. There's a direct tie-in. There's a direct link from my heart or my thoughts and my mouth. I don't know if you knew that, but this is the reason why what you say is such a big deal, because if you've ever said something you regret to someone and they said, I can't believe you say that to me. You say, I didn't mean it. They already know, but you said it. So you can say you didn't mean it, but you did say it. So at some point, you had to think it. You ever said something and you think, but I didn't think it, but it just came out? You know what that means? That means you felt it. It means your emotions spoke for you. And so maybe you didn't form the words in your mind and, and think, I'm about to say this to this person, but you still did because your emotions felt that way, and so you did, you did say it. There's a direct link between your thoughts and your mouth. Would you write that down? There's a direct link from your thoughts to your mouth. That's why this is a big deal. And so, because I don't know if you know this or not, but your mouth is giving you away. It's giving your thoughts away, whether you know it or not. So even if you say, well, I'm going to keep this quiet, the secret feeling I have, the secret thought I have, the truth is if it's a dominant thought, even if you try to keep it quiet, it's going to come out. Because here's one thing I know with unerring accuracy. When I look at your life, your thoughts are showing. Your thoughts are showing. They're always showing who you really are and what you really think and what you really believe. Your thoughts are showing. If, if, a guy, if every other word a guy says when he jokes around is perverted, I don't even need to ask him when he's watching late at night on the internet. I already know. His thoughts are showing. If someone is, is just by, by default running you down, you don't even need to know how they feel about you. You already do. Their thoughts are showing. The truth is our thoughts do show. They, they reveal who we are and what we think when we talk. Whether we want to or not, all you got to do is listen. I've heard uh, uh, reports from the FBI that said the greatest gift they were ever given in the world is called Facebook. They can figure out really quick what you're up to. All they got to do is start reading what you write because your thoughts are showing. And so if you're up to no good and you're planning and plotting, it's going to come out and what you're writing online. So the truth is, is that our words do give us away. Your thoughts are showing. Now, maybe you say, but... But so that means I'm saying the wrong things and I'm, and I'm thinking the wrong things. How do I change that? Well, the Bible gives us great detail how we can do that. It's actually pretty simple. It's found in Philippians 4, verse 8. Check it out. It says, finally, brothers and sisters. This means finally means like this is a big deal. Stop and listen. He says, finally. In other words, basically like you miss everything else I say. Don't miss this. And then he says, brothers and sisters. He's like, bro, sis. 
Finally, listen, is what he's saying. And then he gives this incredible advice. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You want to change your words and change your thoughts? Change what you focus on, and you can change all of that. In fact, actually, if you'll change what you focus on, it'll change your life. How many of us honestly have already blown our New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Come on, don't lie. Don't make me the only person to be honest in the house of God today. We had these goals, we had these plans, and we already blew that diet, or we blew that, you know, that plan to get up early every morning or to, to go running every morning, whatever your plan was, right? And you think, oh, wh- how did I do that? You know, it's funny. We, we tend to continually break the very things we're trying to create as habits. We're trying to you know, get the right habits going. We tend to do the wrong thing over and over again. If that's not working for you, we're going to teach you a simple way to do that. And this may surprise you, but if you'll just change your words, it will lead to changing your habits. I know that sounds really funny. You think, I mean, come on, really? Let me tell you why. Because you can't consistently say one thing and do another. Eventually, what you're saying will change what you're doing. Over time, you can't consistently say something different than what you are thinking and what you are doing. Look at this verse, Psalms 19, verse 14. This is one of my wife's favorite verses. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Did you notice how it tied two things together? The words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. So my mouth and my heart go together. So Lord, help my thoughts as well as my speech be honoring to you. And it says, in your sight. Now, where in the world can you go that you're not in God's sight? This means there should be no difference between your Sunday language and your Monday language. Let me be more specific. Your Sunday morning language and your Monday morning language. There should be no difference between those. Why? Because the Lord's in both places. The Lord's here with you. The Lord's at work with you. The Lord's with you when you're in traffic and that person cuts you off, right? And you call his name, right? The Lord is with you wherever you go. And so, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. So we have to connect the dots to realize that our words and our thoughts really do go together. Now look at this next verse. Isaiah 54 says this. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. Maybe you came to church today and this is what you need to hear. This is what God's word says. Maybe you just need to hear the Lord tell you that whatever you're facing, whatever problem, whatever difficulty, you will prevail. No matter what difficulty you're in, you will prevail. No matter what struggle you're in, addiction, difficulty, resentment, pain, you will prevail. Would you get that in your spirit today? That God is saying you will overcome your current situation. That's what the Bible says. He says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. Then he says this, and you will refute every tongue. What? Why would it mention the tongue was talking about war? What in the world does my tongue have to do with war? (laughs) Everything. Let's be honest, uh, world leaders' tongues are what get us into war, right? That, that's one of the things, not the only thing, but oftentimes that's what leads to, to war. Maybe there's someone that you've been in a fight with for a long time. I bet your tongue started it or their tongue started it, or your tongue or their tongue continues it. Well, it should have been over a long time ago, but you just keep talking or they just keep talking, right? And so the tongue causes battle. It causes wars. It says, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So it says, hey, there's a weapon that will be used against you, and the answer to any weapon coming against you is your tongue. What you say about what you're facing determines whether and how fast you get the victory. 
Did you catch that? Whatever you're facing, what you begin to speak about and to that situation will determine how quickly and if you overcome it. That's the power of your tongue. It's incredibly powerful. What this means is number two, you got to respectfully disagree with anyone or anything that belittles who God made you to be. You got to learn to respectfully disagree with anyone or anything that refutes who God says you are. And so if you have someone, even someone that loves you, that's running you down, that's putting limits on you, you have to lovingly, respectfully disagree. Some of you need to respectfully disagree with an adult parent and say, I'm sorry, dad, I don't agree with you when you tell me that all I'm ever going to do is amount to nothing. I don't agree with that any longer. And when I was a kid, you could say to me, I was in your home. I disagree with you and I no longer have to put your words over what God says about me. I'm sorry, friend, who calls yourself a friend, but you're not being a friend to me when you try to limit me and tell me I can't change. I respectfully disagree with you because God says I'm being transformed through his son Christ. I respectfully disagree when you say that I'm not good with money or I'm not good in relationships or I'll never do that. I'll never own this or I'll never own that. I respectfully disagree with you because I believe God has made me with purpose and God has plans for my life and he wants to bless me. He wants to do great things in my life. You've got to learn to disagree when someone tells you a limit. You're not limited. I mean, last time I checked, you go to church unlimited. You are unlimited in Christ. And so we listen to limits. And here's the worst part. Here's the worst part. We limit ourselves with our own lips. Your own lips can become your lid. We have to be careful what we say about ourselves. Sometimes I'll, I'll be stopped in the atrium uh, or out and about, uh, maybe in Sunday, on a Sunday. You know, I'll be in the Walmart because uh, that's where the big time preacher shop. Or... Uh, <laughs> I'll be at H-E-B or I'll be at the mall or whatever. And someone will stop me. Hey, pastor. And they'll say, can you, can you just pray for me? Would you do that real quick? And, and you know, uh, normally my answer is, of course, you know. And so I'll pray with them. And, and so I stop and pray with them. But, but in that moment, sometimes they, they don't realize that they're using limiting language. So they'll say, would you just pray for me? Because, man, my marriage is just a disaster and it's just not getting any better. Or they'll say, you know what? It's just never going to turn around. And I'll say, well, before I pray with you, I don't want to pray a prayer that you're going to then put the limit on by what you just said. So I want to challenge you to never say that again. And they look so surprised. Whoa. Because I look at them and I'll say, don't ever say that again. And they're like, well, wow, it's kind of calling me out. I'm like, well, you asked me to pray for you, which means you want some help. And I can tell you this right now. If you pray one way and speak another, don't expect your prayer to be effective. You've got to learn to line up with God's word about your life. And so like when someone says, just pray for me. My money's tight. You know, I'm just, I'm just bad with money. Quit saying that about yourself. Instead, say, you know what? I may have been bad with money in the past, but that's changing. Here's another word I like to use. It's a real simple one that can really change everything for you. Maybe you've got phrases that have become normal for you to say, well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just always going to be single. Or how about this one? You say, I'm just never going to get married. How about this? You say, I'm not married, and then add one word, yet. Well, I'm not a millionaire, yet. Oh, I'm not free from this addiction, yet. Well, my cowboys didn't pull it off. Yet, right? Come on, somebody. I'm not in good shape yet. I'm not close to God. I haven't turned my marriage around. It's amazing what one little yet will do. See what it does? You just opened a door of possibility. Where before, your words were shutting the door on yourself. Don't limit your own life with your own lips. 
God has so much more for you. You got to respectfully disagree with anyone, including yourself. If you are saying things that oppose what God says about you, then you got to respectfully disagree with yourself. God has more for your life. He has great things he wants to do in and through you, but you got to quit limiting your own life. God has more for you. Refute every tongue. You know, when a country attacks another country, and just think about history for a second, anytime a country takes over another country, the very first thing they do to really dominate that country is they force the new people that they've taken over to speak their, their original country's language. In other words, they're not going to let you speak your language. They're going to come in, they're going to say, no, now you're going to speak French because France took you over. Now you're going to speak, you know, this language because this country took you over. That's the first thing they do if they want to take over a country is they change your language. In the same way, God has taken you over. The kingdom of God is within you. You got to start talking kingdom language and let go of your world's language and instead embrace God's language and say what he says about you. So we have to change what we're saying about ourselves, what we're, what we're doing in our own lives. If you begin to do that, changing what you say really will change everything. I'd like to do that right now, by the way. I just want to stop and give you our word for the year. I felt like it was really appropriate. The first message that I'm preaching for 2019 with you is I want to give you a word for the year that God gave me this to give you. This is our word for the year. And I'm going to be talking more about this over the coming weeks, but I just want to mention it right now. Our word for the year is capacity. Capacity. What does capacity mean? Here's what it means. It means the maximum amount that something can contain. How many of you guys want God to bless you some more this year? Let's be honest, right? How many guys, oh, I'm the only one? Wow, okay. Oh, I would like to be blessed. Anyone else? How many of you guys would like to be blessed and maybe you, maybe you want more joy? Maybe you want to be blessed with some more money. That'd be kind of nice to help you out, right? Maybe things are tight. Maybe you'd like to be blessed with more opportunity at work. Maybe you'd like to be blessed with some more relationships, maybe some more friendships. Maybe you, just, you feel a little lonely, you want to connect with some people. I don't know what you want to be blessed with, but I can tell you this. Many times God wants to give you more blessing, but you've got to make room for it. Could it be that you're asking God to do something in your life that you actually can't contain what he wants to give you? See, we say, oh, God, please fill my bucket. And maybe the Lord's saying, your bucket's totally full. How can I do that? You need to empty it a little bit. Make some room for God. Make room for God to do something new in your life. And so you got to give him room. And so my question for you is this, can you handle the blessing of God? Have you made room for it? Oh, God, bless me financially. Is God saying, I'd love to do that, but with what I've already blessed you with, you're not obeying me. So how can I bless you with more? You, you, you're not willing to go on a budget with what you have? Well, you don't think people that, that have more money need a budget? Everyone does. You, you're responsible for more if you get more, right? Oh, God, I just wish I had a new car. God may be saying, that's awesome. Let's start by going out this afternoon and cleaning up your old car and showing me you can take care of what I've already given you instead of driving around a trash heap. Instead, That's not actually a trash can. That's a car. So let's clean it out. Let's take care of it so that I can see with my own eyes, the Heavenly Father is saying to you, that when you take care of something I give you, then I will give you something nicer. Could it be that, that God's wanting to bless you with more, but you just, you're not willing to take care of what you, what you have? Oh, God, I want to be the boss of all my whole team. And God's like, that's awesome. And you, maybe you should be quit being known as the one who's always late on your team. The truth is, is that many times we're, we're lagging behind when we want to be leading so we have to increase our capacity. Maybe, oh, maybe you're praying, oh God, I just, I'm ready for love in my life. I'm finally ready to, to meet the right man or woman in my life. I just, I'm waiting for that. God, would you please, please let that happen? And God may be saying, I'd love to do that. But since you've never increased your capacity to forgive someone, you're still walking around angry from the last relationship. So how can I bless you with a new relationship when all you're going to talk about on the first three days is how horrible old Bob was? <laughs> you think some guy wants to hear that? 
If all you're talking about is how, how bitter you are from your previous divorce, and by the way, let's change our language. You're no longer divorced. That sounds so negative and sounds like you're just focusing on all the failure. Why don't we instead say, I'm single and available? <laughs> Doesn't that sound a lot better? Oh, well, she's divorced. No, no, she's single. Woo, baby, I'm single. <laughs> Sounds better, doesn't it? It's ladies' night at Church Unlimited. <laughs> it's okay. I want to encourage you to change your language. You don't have to focus on your failures any longer. Let go of that stuff. It is a new year. It is a new day in Christ. Would you receive what I'm trying to tell you today? It's a new day. God has new things to do in your life. You gotta increase your capacity. God wants to bless you in, in, in a great way, but you gotta increase your capacity. You gotta be able to handle more if he's gonna give you more. When Mason was little, when he was really, really, really little, he was like a year old, he would play cars all the time. He didn't know how to say cars, so he said, Tars, daddy, daddy, can we play Tars? And I was like, yeah, let's play Tars. And so he'd get all his Hot Wheels out, out and he'd line them up. And every time we go to like Target or Walmart, we'd buy him a Hot Wheel, you know. I'll never forget the, the, the day I walked in and saw the Hot Wheels and I was like, these are so cheap, they're still cheap. I didn't know that, but I remember thinking back when I was standing in the aisle looking at this Hot Wheel, I was like, that's 99 cents and it's like 2000 something. And I was like, that is so cheap. And then I remember the flashback when I was a little kid, looking at my mom and saying, mommy, can I buy a Hot Wheel? And she said, no, they're too expensive. And I thought, I'm gonna call my mom right now and tell her she's cheap. But you're still under a dollar. It's okay. I love my mom. It's okay. Never complain about a cheap person that you're in their will. Never complain about that. <laughs> anyway, so here I am with my son, and he's got all his cars, and he's got them all lined up. And he, he had this funny thing about him. He's so funny. Mason likes like things like simple and colored and matched. And so he had all his little blue cars and little red cars, little green cars. He had them all lined up. It was so cute. And he was wearing his little diaper. You know, he was walking, he was playing with him, you know. And he, he, he was just adorable. And so I remember, though, I was, he would say, Dad, you want to play cars? I was like, yeah, let's come in the living room. Let's play cars. He said, okay. And so then he started gathering them up. And he realized he doesn't have hands for all of them. So then you think the most simple thing in the world is like, oh, that's no problem. I got pockets. So just stuff him in his diaper. <laughs> I hesitate to tell you the things I've cleaned off Hot Wheels in my life. Anyway, so he'd stick Hot Wheels in his diaper and use it like as a big holster to carry all his Hot Wheels. So he'd be walking around, his diaper's barely hanging on him because it got so many Hot Wheels in it, you know? But then he'd get mad because he'd realize he couldn't put any more Hot Wheels in his diaper and his hands are full. And so he'd have three or four more on the ground. He would just get mad and go, because he couldn't carry them all. He didn't have the capacity. Could it be that you're asking God for more in your life, but you've not, never increased your ability to carry more? This may sound funny, but before you ask, oh, God, bless me, you may want to say, God, make my plate bigger. Make my responsibility bigger. In other words, Lord, help me to be able to handle more if I'm going to ask you for more. Otherwise, everything he gives you, you'll just drop. What good does it do if he immediately gives you the promotion you want and you can't handle it and you get fired for not handling the job? God, increase my ability to handle more so you can bless me with more. Can I just tell you, I, Peter Drucker said something years ago. This isn't my notes. This is just for you. I just throwing this one out. This is something God just put in my heart. But years ago, I read this. I mean, probably over 10 years ago. Peter Drucker said this. He's now passed away, but he's considered the father of modern day management. The guy's a brilliant guy. He's passed away, but, but all his books are good. I don't know how many he's written. He said something really brilliant one time. He said, he said, we could really solve a lot of problems with this anger towards rich people. We would just change out the word rich and poor and call it what it is. This is his words, not mine. Don't get mad at me, but it's brilliant. Listen closely to this. Don't, don't be offended. Listen. Open your heart. Open your mind. And he said, we need to quit saying rich and poor and start saying productive and unproductive. Wow. Wow. Oh, God, make me rich. You mean make you more productive? Because the market, in the free market anyways, 
always rewards you based on what you're bringing. Are you bringing enough? Oh, God, please bless me. I'd love to. Can you show me some more productivity? Can you show me some more responsibility? Can you be able to handle more so I can give you more? God wants to bless you. He wants to increase your capacity. Say capacity with me. He wants to increase you. Deuteronomy 111 says this. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold. Whoa, that's a lot. How many of you guys would like a thousandfold increase in your income? Hallelujah. Right. How many of you guys would like a thousandfold increase in your happiness? A thousandfold increase in the, in the love you feel towards your spouse and they feel towards you. That'd be nice. A thousandfold increase in your emotional state of being healthy. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? A thousandfold increase in your influence. How many of you guys would like, let me, make this, let me make this plain and simple for all the junior high and high schools in the room. How would you like a thousand more followers online? <laughs> we want a thousandfold increase, right? And so he says, I'll increase you a thousandfold and more than, more than you are and bless you. Whoa, he doesn't even use the word bless in a thousandfold. He says, I want to bless you on top of that. So apparently what he's saying is he's saying, I want to bless you with more influence, more affluence, more opportunities, but I want to do it in such a way that you're blessed by it and it doesn't become a curse. You know, some people get more money and it becomes a curse to their family. Some people get more influence, it becomes a curse. They can't handle it. Some of, some of you gotten that promotion and you realize, I don't want this job once you get it. You're like, oh gosh, now I'm in charge and now they're all mad at me when things don't go right. So God's saying, I want to increase you, but I want to increase you with a blessing on top of it to where it becomes a good thing for your life. Capacity. God wants to increase your capacity. God wants to fill your diaper with tars. <laughs> he wants to bless you. He really does. He's a good God, and he wants you to be blessed. But you've got to increase your capacity to be able to handle the blessing he wants to give you. Okay, last thing, I want to get real practical here on something. This is, this is how we can do this, okay? You want this year to be different? How many of you guys agree with me? You want this year to be better? You want it to be different? Okay, how, we're at the beginning of the year, right? I mean, we're fresh in. And you think, oh, I've already blown it. No, 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 you, Saying you've blown it is like saying you fell in the first half mile of a marathon. Just get up and keep running. We've got a long way to go. You've got a lot of year left here. So you feel like, oh, I've already blown it. That's okay. Get up. Get up and get going again. Now, I want to share something with you. Check this out. How did God build a great world so we can know how to build a great world? Our world, right? How do we do that? Here's how. Genesis 1. Let's go back to the beginning. The earth was without form and void. Maybe you got some void in your life. You got a career, but it's without form. It's like, I mean, I'm, you know, I, mean I started my career, but I'm just kind of without form. There's not much to it. Right? It's just kind of there. Right? You're in a relationship. There's not a lot of form yet. There's not a lot of activity going on. It's not... It's not what I want to become yet, right? So God is, he's looking at the earth and he's about to do something with it. He says, it says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the, the face of the waters. He was hovering. What's God doing? He's doing this. He's like, hmm, what am I going to do here? Let me think. He's hovering. He's thinking. You ever hovered? Parents, anyone got kids here? You ever hovered over your kids? What are they texting? Who are they DMing? Right? You want to know, right? They're hovering. And so God is hovering. He's saying, what do I want to do here? So there are two creations. Listen, listen. There are two creations. The first of all is the thought, I'd really like to do this. And then the action. There's two creations, really. Really, actually, technically, there's three. Because he thinks it. Then he says it. Then it happens. He thinks it. Then he says it. Then it happens. There's actually three. He says this. And then, so he's thinking. Then what happens? And God said. It doesn't say, and then God did. No, no, no. God said. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Then, then the world went into action. So did you catch that? He thought it, he said it, and then he acted upon it. Did you catch that? He thought it, he said it, and he acted upon it. Now, what is this called? 
This is called the virtuous cycle. Before we show that, hold back. Before we show the virtuous cycle, let me tell you about an unvirtuous cycle that happens all the time in your home. This is what that looks like. You get mad at your teenager. You say some things you regret. I know no one can relate to this, but let's just say you can. Your teenager does something dumb or you think it's dumb, and then you pop off, right? So you, you think you're angry, and you say something, and they say something back, and then you stomp off to your room, or they stomp to their room, and you slam doors, right? Or maybe it's worse, maybe it's your marriage, right? And so you're so mad at your spouse, and you pop off, right? Because you're angry, you got bad thoughts, and you just say it. I can't believe you. And you say it, and they say something back. Then you storm off, and you slam the door, bam! You know, knock the door off the hinges, you know, you throw a plate, you know, or, or, or worse. I hope this doesn't happen in your home, but the people get into each other's faces, they can actually get physical. God doesn't want that, by the way. Let me just say that right now. If that's a regular occurrence in your home. You need to rethink your marriage right now. That is not God's will for anyone to raise a hand towards one another, man or woman. Nowhere in the Bible does it say women have the excuse. Men or women neither have the excuse to put your hand on another person, ever. Be real clear about that. What happens is you started in your thoughts, then you said something that was hurtful, and then you acted upon it. Maybe the action is not physical, but you're slamming things around the house, you're not taking care of things because you're angry. And so you've got a negative cycle going on. What if we could change that? What if we could make this into a virtuous cycle? Wouldn't it be cool? What if we could change the way you say, but I don't, I don't feel loving towards my spouse. I'm angry. What if I were to tell you something that really shocked you that it's really hard to change your mind? It's just hard to do it. What if I were to tell you that instead of changing your mind, just start with your words? Are you telling me to say things that I don't feel? Absolutely. Sometimes you have to say truth even when you don't feel truth. You're my wife, I committed to you. You're my husband, I committed to you. And then sometimes, listen, 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 you need to begin to speak over your spouse new words of love and of care even when you don't feel it. You say, are you telling me to fake it? Yes, I'm telling you to faith it. If you begin to speak truth over your spouse of what you used to feel about them, it will not take long before your mouth convinces your ears that it's true. If you begin to say, man, my wife is hot. She is gorgeous. She is beautiful. Man, she looks as good as she did the day I met her. If I begin to speak like that, eventually I'm going to look at her and go, man, she really is pretty. She really does look a lot like she did when I first met her. Wow, I'm convincing myself. The other day I was talking to my wife and I just told her, I tell her this a lot, but I told her, I was like, hey, babe, you look really beautiful today. And normally she takes it like it's some kind of perverted thing, like, okay, this dress is showing you something obvious. And I'm like, what? I'm supposed to be attracted to you. You know, like, she th she's like, God, you're such a pervert. And I'm like, honey, I'm a pastor. <laughs> just imagine the average man. I'm just letting you know. I'm just telling you right now. That's just, you know, she's just like, oh my gosh, you're always thinking about sex and bad stuff. I'm like, but I'm thinking about it with you. It's all good. It's all good stuff. <laughs> but you know, God wired us that way. That's not a bad thing, ladies, that we're attracted to you, right? I mean, so I would look at my wife and I'm like, wow, you look really great. And so this particular day, she did what she normally does, which is very common. I asked her one day, I was like, is this normal for women to feel this way? She says, all women think this way. And so let me just play out. If this is true, for what she's telling me, sure, let me play out a very normal scenario for me. And I'll say, hey, you look beautiful. And then she gives me this look like, like, like I have, you know, mental issues. You know, she's like... <laughs> That's sweet. It's too bad you're legally blind. You know what I mean? She like, she looks at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, stop it. You know, like you look really beautiful. And she's like, oh. She's almost like she's like, you obviously have problems. You know, like. 
And I'm just simply saying, I think, and so I remember this, this particular day, I said to her, I said, hey, stop it. Because she was like, well, I, you know, I'm overweight and I don't look very good and I'm older. And, and I'm like, stop it. And I remember looking at her, I said, quit running down my wife. Do you think I want to be married to a woman that's run down? If I feel that way, why are you trying to change my mind? If I think you're beautiful, do you really want to convince me otherwise? And so we're really bad at receiving, aren't we? So when someone says something good, what do we do? We deflect it. Hey, man, good job on that report you turned in. Man, great job on that project. Oh, you know, I mean, I just got lucky. Really? That was luck in your office the whole time working? Or did you just work hard and it came through? Why don't you learn to say this? And instead of deflecting it, say, thank you. Feels good to got to win. Because wins don't always happen, do they? When they happen, why don't you actually enjoy it? Like, thanks. I'm glad that worked out, right? And so what you're doing, you're starting a virtuous cycle. And so if you'll say to your spouse, you're beautiful, you're good looking, you're, you're, you're you know, man, you, you're all that, you're strong, whatever it is. You know, and, and, and ladies, I'll give you a little hint. Your husband doesn't want to know he's beautiful. He wants to know he's respected. The Bible says that. More on this in our relationship series coming up, by the way. But he's really not looking to, to, for you to think he's all hot. He, that's not a big deal to him, typically. Typically, it's do you respect me? It's a totally different thing. But women want to be attractive and be pursued. So here's what I'm trying to tell you, but, but, but I'm not feeling it. Then speak your way into feeling it. You can talk yourself into loving someone. You can. You can fall back in love again with your mouth. You can just begin to speak it. And so speak it, and then guess what happens? And you begin to think it, then you begin to act on it. Let me show you the virtuous cycle. Let's put it up real quick. This is called a virtuous cycle. This is where you think a certain way, speak it, and then act it out. And by the way, if you think something negative about your spouse, don't speak it, because then you'll think it, and then you'll act it out. In fact, in those moments when you think something really positive, say it, and you'll begin to act that out. And so if you'll do this virtuous cycle, think, speak, act, you say, well, I, I mean, I'm not in very good shape. Quit saying that. Say, yet. You know what? I am in good shape. I eat well while you're eating a Twix bar, right? It's really going to be hard to do that. If you keep saying, I eat well, you're going to be like, I can't eat this. I eat well. It'll change your actions. And so speak it, think it. Act it out, think, excuse me, speak it and then act it out. And then this will continue creating a virtuous cycle. In fact, let me show you one last scripture on this. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. This is where God the Father sent his son Jesus, right? Jesus was spirit at first and he came and put on flesh of a man. He became a man, fully God and fully man at the same time. The word. It's interesting they refer to Jesus as the word. Wow, isn't that cool? So the word became flesh. And my challenge for you this year is I believe if you'll change your words, those words will become flesh in your life. You can create a new life by just changing your language. Change your words. Speak yourself up, not down. Speak yourself into faith, not into fear. Speak your spouse into love, into encouragement, into romance, not into anger, into resentment. Let that stuff go. Speak differently about your life and your entire life will change. You have a miracle in your mouth. You can change everything by changing what you say. You can. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. You know, the Bible actually says to confess that Jesus is Lord. The mouth is so powerful. That's the one thing. He doesn't say to do it silently. No, no, at no time does he say to receive Christ silently. I think it's interesting that even in my silent message a few weeks ago on Christmas Eve, the only time we did talk was what? During salvation. We confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Your confession leads to salvation. That's how powerful your words are. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. You can confess that you need Christ right now. You can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, 
Use your big, fat mouth to open the doors of heaven for your life right now. Jesus died for you. He rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to accept what he's done for you. He's reserved a place for you in heaven, but you have to accept it still. You can pray this prayer. You can receive Christ right now. Would you pray with me? Pray this out loud. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.